Welcome to the transfer, where wisdom is stoked and the bonds of brotherhood are forged. This is where men come to be refined in the crucible of faith, knowledge, and purpose. We are not just men. We are a coalition of brothers, bound by honor, courage, and unwavering faith in Christ. Together, we embark on a quest to become the finest versions of ourselves. In the transfer, you'll hear the voices of fellow travelers on this rugged journey of life. These are men who've faced the storm and emerged stronger, who've stumbled and learned to rise, who've found solace and strength in their faith. The transfer is not just a podcast. It's a testament to the power of Christ and resilience of the human spirit. It's a rallying cry for men who dare to dream, to grow, to believe and to honor the call to be Christ-honoring men. Welcome to The Transfer. All right, episode one. I'm really excited tonight to get to start. And we're going to start by looking at the Bible because I believe that the Bible needs to be our foundation for everything that we do. And at the end of the day, what we don't want on our gatherings on Wednesday nights to be opinions. We don't want it to be self-help. We want to be rooted in the scripture. We want to be rooted in what God is wanting to say to us. And so tonight, I'm going to give a 10-minute setup, and then we're going to get going with our panel tonight. And I'm really excited to have these guys up here with me. We got Mr. John Morrow, Keith Fields, and Arliss Henniger today. And so it's going to be a good conversation. We've actually we actually had a dry run of this last week and we had a good time we sat down to say hey we're going to practice this we talked for an hour three hours later we were going home it was 11 o'clock on wednesday night and so i'm excited for that now this this entire spring we're going to be tracking with david and the old testament and tonight we're going to start with a topic about professionalism and we want to have a professional mindset as men and i think that you look at david you see that he has that professional mindset Now, to kind of set this up, I want to read a quote from a guy by the name of DJ Shipley, and he said this about professionalism. Professionalism is not a title that's given at birth or something that happens when you reach a certain age. Professionalism is the culmination of thousands of hours of individual effort, hundreds of failures, and the resilience to keep pushing forward. You'll never succeed if you attempt to rush the process or skip the steps in the progress. In every walk of life, the job that you do should be done by a professional. The system, the culture they support deserves professionals in the organization. And as you take on new roles, hobbies, and start new chapters in life, ask yourself, what are professionals in this field doing? And surround yourself with the high level performers who push you to be better, to achieve your goals, and to have a positive impact on your growth. Regardless of your chosen profession, you should be striving to be a direct representation of the community of the culture that you support. And I love that quote because I believe that in our society, we are, we are void of men who have a professional mindset. We're really good at being professional victims, but everything else in life, it seems like we're settling for the bare minimum, taking pride in your work, applying yourself, growing in your knowledge and skill set, working harder than the competition. These are timeless attributes of a man who is on his way to the apex of his craft in life and in his skill set. And so I love being around professionals. Probably one of the coolest moments I ever had in the presence of a professional was when I was in South Africa on a hunt. And in South Africa, it's required that every person has with them a handler called a professional hunter, a PH. This is a government requirement. And to become a PH is very difficult. These people are very, very talented and very, very skilled. And my PH on that trip, his name was Eugene. He, he was born over there. He grew up doing this. He was bred to kill animals. You could just see it in his eyes. He was a super good guy. And so we were hunting zebras one day, and, and zebras are very skittish. I thought when we were going to go shoot a zebra, it was going to be like shooting a horse in a pasture. And that was not the case because they're very, very skittish, and they can run off. And so we were driving around. We saw a herd and they took off and Eugene gets out and he grabs the shooting sticks and he says, let's go. And I'm thinking, there's no way we're going to catch these zebras. They're, they're gone. And I watched, I watched Eugene in this moment transform and he turned primal and he started to stalk from bush to bush, stalking up on these zebras. And I just followed him. And as we're moving, warthogs are running up on us. He doesn't see any of those things. He is just zoned in to go for the kill. And so finally, he comes up on, on the zebra. She's about 130 yards away. He pushed the shooting sticks down, uh, and I got the zebra. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. And honestly, just as cool as shooting that zebra was watching Eugene work the professional mindset that he was born with. He just, he worked it, and it was amazing to see him in his element. See, professionals inspire us with their skill set, 
with their dedication, with their execution, and their culture. And so as we're studying David, I think that we're going to see that David is a professional. And tonight we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 16 and 17. In chapter 16, David is a young shepherd who is anointed by the judge of Israel, Samuel, to be the next king. And then in chapter 17 is where we see the famous David and Goliath account. In chapter 17, Jesse sends David to the battlefield to check on his brothers. And when he gets there, he finds Goliath, a giant who is challenging Israel, and no one wants to fight this guy. David, as a young man, says, I will be the one that takes him on. And here's what the Bible says, starting in verse 31. And when the words of David were spoken and were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because of him. Your servant will go fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him, for you are but a youth. You, and he has been a man of war since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the sheep for his father. And when there was a lion or a bear and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by the beard and I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them for he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will also deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now let's connect the dots here because I want to look at this in a way that's not really traditional of how we would talk about David and Goliath. David is living in obscurity as a young man who's in shepherd in the field. And while he's in the field with those sheep, he's starting to learn how to become a professional. David is a professional at his craft as a shepherd, and that is looked down upon at the time. And yet in this craft, he chose to do it to the best of his ability. He learned how to master the skill set as a professional shepherd. He learned how to care for God's creation. He learned how to fight against an enemy in the lion and the bear. He learned how to commune with God when he was writing his worship. He learned how to study the word because it became part of who he was. And so that professionalism in the field was parlayed into professionalism in the palace as a king. Because he managed himself well in the field, he was going to be positioned later to be in the, on the throne as king. That professionalism in the field launched him into his ultimate calling. And here's what I think we need to understand as men. Amateurs are not going to set before kings, and an amateur is never going to get to be a king. If we have an amateur mindset, we're not going to get to rule with the authority that God has called us to in our homes, in our workplace, or in our community. We're not going to get to lead the way that God has called us if we go about with an amateur mindset. So David does not do this. And here's, here's what I think that every single one of us need to start looking at. Wherever God has positioned us today, we need to be a professional in that area. Let me read to you the definition of professionalism and notice what David says. A professional is an individual who possesses specialized knowledge, skills, experience, and a particular field or occupation, often accompanied by adherence to ethical standards and to a commitment of continuous learning and development. And I want you to think about that for a second. When you start talking about a professional mindset, you need to be a professional scholar as a man. In other words, you need to know this word. It needs to be in you. You need to know it. You need to allow it to marinate in your mind. You need to be a professional worshiper. You need to have a high ethical standard in your life, and you need to live up to that. You need to be a professional father and husband. You need specialized skills in order to make your home run efficient and well-oiled. You need to be professional in your craft. You need to know the expertise in your work and be disciplined to make sure that those things get done. You need to be a professional in yourself developing. You need to be continuously learning. And if you have those skills, if that becomes rooted in who you are, then there's nothing short that you can do in life. God can put you into any position or into any seat. And we see this in David. David strived for professionalism as a man in every area of his life. And then when the moments that mattered came his direction, he was able to live up to that calling. So let's say you want to be a professional. What are the attributes of a professional that I think we should all try to achieve? Well, I'm going to give you this grid. I want to give you a list that I think is a good starting point, and then we're going to discuss this together up here with this panel. Here's, here's the first one. Professionals learn and study from other professionals. 
professionals learn and study other professionals in their craft and then outside their craft. Listen, there's a lot of guys in this room that are very talented and you can learn from them. You might not be in the same field that they are in, but you can learn principles from them and apply them to yourself. Look at David. He was a professional shepherd and he knew how to take that stone and that sling and he knew how to defeat a giant. Second, professionals understand the attributes of professionalism in their craft. And then those things become their minimum standard. Here's the deal. It, let's say you're in customer service. You know there's a certain reality that you have to deal with customers, and there's a certain professionalism required to do that well. That's not the goal for you. That becomes the minimum standard. Professionals know those attributes. That's the minimum. Everything else is what they're trying to achieve. You'll notice that with David. He was an exceptional warrior and poet because those skill sets were the minimal for him, and everything went on top of that. Third, professionals focus on process and understand that winning is a byproduct. David had thousands of reps with the stone and the sling before he knew how to fight that giant. And here's the deal. If you want to be a professional life, you need to be ready to take thousands of reps and understand that that process is going to produce results. A lot of guys quit too soon because they're not getting the results they want and they're not trusting the process. Amateurs quit too soon. Don't be an amateur. Fourth, professionals train and refine their systems. You have to have a system in place that helps you refine and advance if you're going to do that. Professionals work efficiently. A lot of guys, are, are they, might have a, they might desire to have a professional mindset, but they're not getting the results because their life is not efficient and they're just running in circles. Fifth, professionals develop self-discipline. You will rarely, rarely, if ever, see a pro at the apex of success who is not disciplined. We see this again in David. Regardless of the pressure he was at, he was disciplined time and time again. Sixth, professionals have a deep understanding of their craft. Professionals do not just want to understand their craft uh, so that they can perform those skills. They want to understand their craft deeply so that when the dynamics of life start to change, that they can adjust on the fly. Look at David. Again, he had a deep understanding of shepherding. And so when the dynamics of the battlefield changed, he was able to change with it. If you're going to be successful in life, you need to be able to be fluid. And finally, professionals are motivators. I want to read one more quote from DJ Shipley. He said this, There is something infectious about being surrounded by professionals. Their attention to detail, passion, and work ethic separate them from the pack. And you see this with David. David was this professional on this field. He goes and he kills Goliath, and he inspires a generation of giant slayers. And not only does he inspire a generation of giant slayers, you can see when you read at the end of his life, that they also inspired and challenged him. And that's what we want. When we, want, when we surround ourselves with the best and we have a professional mindset ourselves, we will, we will surround ourselves with like-minded men and we will be able to sharpen one another. So with that, I want to uh, bring our panel on and I want to start with a leadoff question. Gentlemen, I, I truly believe that you start looking at David. He is a young man who has a professional mindset. And I think that we would all agree that having a professional mindset like David is required to be a God-honoring man. But why do you believe that? Why do you think that God requires men to have a professional mindset in every area of their life? Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, you know, I'd start to answer it with, uh, I, I think um, God holds us to um, that, that straight stick, that, that comparison. This is where... This is where we want you to be, and with professionalism, you're gonna you're gonna be successful in many many areas, specifically the areas that he cares about, uh, concerns about. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, he kind of holds you at a higher standard, and uh, I think that that's what you have to have to be that guy that he wants you to be. He, you want to hold that higher standard with him, um, and everybody else will see that. And it kind of shines through. I think that's, and my, I know we're not doing opinions, but it just seems like to me, like if you look at the story of David, God's preparing him. You know, he's elevated his mind to be really good at what he's doing. And because of that, you know, God is able to use him in other areas. And I really believe that if you, if you really strive professionally, you know, I know in my life, you know, to, to make sure I'm prepared, make sure I'm on time, make sure I'm doing the reps and whatever I'm doing. I think that translates into the scripture, into Christianity and being a Christian. Um, and I think they, they go together and we see it, I think in this word, in this particular scripture pretty well, because you look at the end, you know, all the talents that David had and everything that he did, he honed in on that. And he was a professional, mm -hmm. not just at 
you know, being able to sling uh, some rocks, you know, but with shepherding and being a musician, that yeah. had opened doors for him to what God had prepared for him later on. Yeah, because if you read back, he got into the king's court originally because yeah. he was able to play the, the right. harp. He was talented exactly. in that area, right. and so that started cross-pollinating. Why, why do you think so many people in the world today are, are settling for less than professionalism in their own life? I mean, you can go almost anywhere and see people doing the bare minimum of life, and they just seem perfectly satisfied. What, what, what is it about us, particularly men, that we're starting to settle for less and less? I think it's kind of the way that you're raised to a certain extent and who you have been under as far as like if your father was like that, then that's all you've seen your entire life. That's what you're going to be. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd add to that. You know, I think it's a part of that's where you start, where you're raised, uh, and then, you know, what, what, your, what your ambition is to be, uh, where it is that you want to go. Um, and depending on, I believe, you know, and kind of like what Arliss was saying earlier, you know, you kind of leave your opinions, but I, I don't know how you do that up here answering some of these questions. It's hard. <laughs> so, um, now, I mean, we have a room full of, of good men whose faith is, you know, at different various levels, and compared to most of you, mine's way down here. I'm just getting started on my faith journey. So, um, well, this leg of my faith faith journey, I should say. And so, you know, I, I agree with Keith. I think it's where you're raised or how you're raised. Uh, I was raised up in a church, and um, I was fortunate for that. Um, many of you probably know my grandparents, so uh, not to get off in the weeds on that, but they led me down the right path. And because of that, that opened some other doors that, that wouldn't be open, I don't think normally, under my own direction. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, you can get way, way down in the weeds on whether or not you're trying to, you know, who you're chasing after. Uh, what are you chasing after? Uh, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. You know, just in my experience with my relationships with with people, you know, I think it really boils down to what are they inspired to do? You know, you have to. I know. You know, I have my own story about. You know, my dad owned his own business, and he worked. You know, it seemed like twenty four hours a day. You never saw him really. You know, but. I didn't see my ambition kick in. You got to have ambition if you're going to try to get anywhere. It's never, it's not going to be easy. And I think just the people I see, I have relationships with, I work with, they, it's just they give up too easy or they think they already know the answer. Mm. And, um, and they can justify what they think the answer is. Yeah. Um, and so, but at the end of the day, you know, are we, are we doing the minimum? We go with status quo. You know, or we're going to have ambition to turn left instead of going right and see what where that takes us this time since right didn't work. I think that goes back to the original question. I think that I think that embodies what what we're, where yeah. society is at today. I think society sets a lot of things for us. Um, one of those is you know the blame game. Um, hey, I'm not where I'm at because of so and so or such and such or whatever, and be acceptable to that. You know, hey, uh, instead of blaming myself or taking any kind of responsibility, uh, I'm, it's easier for me to go, well, I can, I can live with that easier going, hey, it's Keith's fault, you know, or it's John's fault, or, uh, and that's why I'm not where I'm at or not got what I want. But I'm, so I think that's popular yeah, today. It is, and I think tacking into that, I think that's where I feel being and, keep, and staying with that professional mindset at work, especially. I know at home it's a different ball game, but at, at work I can speak to that because I see that sometimes in people. And if I stay the course and be that professional mindset, it always comes back around because then those people are coming to me for advice. Yeah, You know, they see it. They know, you know. It's just getting them to buy into that on their own. Well, and I think, too, the, the thing about having a professional mindset is that it's a lot of work. For right. Sure. So, so – and I think as guys, we can tend to be lazy sometimes because we'll find an area that we really want to crush. We want to do really good in that one area. So it might, might be work, it might be a hobby, or maybe even as a home. But we expend all of our energy in that area without being able to then use that as a template somewhere else. And so there's a lot of people just kind of coasting through certain things with no ambition or focus on what it is that they're trying to accomplish. 
Therefore, they're not putting the energy where it needs to go and they're not getting results. And then it starts to have a, almost a reverse cycle in your life where you're just spinning your wheels and you're not going forward. It seems like there's a lot of guys that are very frustrated with the results, but they can't figure out why. And I think that this is a, this is a key thing. I mean, you can almost compare David and Saul. Saul's very frustrated at this point. He, he doesn't even know how to move. There's a giant. No one takes this guy out for 40 days until the shepherd shows up. And it shows how that professional mindset, and I think there's a lot of guys in this room maybe that were a little bit frustrated with where we're at in life. I think we need to back away and ask that question. Like, am I, am I doing the things of a professional in these different areas, or am I just focusing on one? And that kind of leads into the next question that I want to ask, because the other day when we were talking, uh, we started really saying, you know, one of the areas that I think guys really lack in is the having a professional mindset at home. And I think this is really important, saying – you know, I might go to work and I put in the hours and do the things I need at work, but I also need to have that same intensity, that same professionalism at home in the father's house. And David started his professionalism in his father's house. He was watching his father's sheep when he gets sent to the field. And so um, that launched him where he needed to go. So what does it mean to be a professional father and husband? Well, I want to start off with this one because one thing, you know, I read the scripture prompt that you gave us. And I kept thinking, I know the focus is on David, but I kept thinking about Jesse. That's the dad. And one thing that really stood out to me is that, you know, when, you know, I'm sorry, lost name, when, when they went to do the sacrifice, you know, or, and he asked him Samuel. to go, Samuel, asked him to go with him. He said, yeah, that, that was kind of an outward faith of that he is a believer and this is what we do, you know. Um, and that's impactful because that, 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 told me that he raised his family with that Christian mindset and that's where you know so that's it was that was seated in David you know long before this whole story about David came up you know and I started doing research on Jesse and there's not much out there but that's the one thing I pull from that think about that could be your son yeah could be my son that's good that's good what do you guys think what does it mean to be a professional father and husband Man, you know, um, I think it's hard when you try to make that relationship like you're at work and you're trying to be a professional leader there and then whatever thing else. And then when you come home, you know, I don't know how the rest of you guys are, but I'm like, man, I want to relax. <laughs> this is my king. This is, I'm the king, you know, I'm the king of this kingdom. And I want to get in here and accomplish whatever, you know, list of things that I want to do there. And, and you kind of want to get in your own zone. And so I think I think uh, for me personally, I've uh, you, you look inward first. Um, you know, I've failed many many more times than I've succeeded, and uh, I th I think um, as in anything, uh, for me and what I draw from from David is that you know David wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect, and I'm not trying to make that comparison. But you know, how many things do, does John Morrow know that? he is doing wrong, that he knows is wrong, that he can make right. Mm. And, I, and I think, man, I think if, you know, it takes discipline and, I, man, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but you've got to look at that. You've got, you've got to value, I mean, you've got to, you've got to evaluate that yourself. I'm not saying any of us have got to be judgmental, but I think you have to evaluate and, and you have to be, you know, fair in that, in that comparison. There's lots of things that I'm not doing what I need to do. And as long as I'm trying to evaluate that and I don't ignore that, I can keep working on that, keep grinding on that, and some of those things can fade away. But, man, I'm a long ways away, away from where I want to be. And to be a professional at home is, is very, very difficult. Um, I think probably um, and way more important than at work. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just difficult. It's difficult. It's been difficult for me. Yeah. You know, like kind of like John was talking about, like having to evaluate everything. So whenever I got started in my career, I held my career up higher than anything else. Um, I wanted to be that guy that everybody called, that guy that everybody came to for the questions and everything else. And uh, I put my entire family on the back burner for that. And so I had to really evaluate because the way that it was explained to me from a guy that had 25 years experience and he said in five years there's nobody that's going to remember what you did mm -hmm. but 
your family will always remember the nights that you weren't there. That's right. And that really that really hit home for me. So that's whenever I decided, you know, quit focusing on my career and really start focusing on my family because they're the ones that need me. I think the way it's designed, when I mean it's, it's like, you know, how long we've been working 40-hour weeks, forever. You know, and I think sometimes by design, I think it's, I think it's flawed by yeah, design because, you know, you want to go, you, you spend more time at work. Mm-hmm. That's just how it's mapped out to be. And we can strive hard to be professional. And I'm guilty of this too. It just hit me when here listening to these guys talk, but we talk about complacency and not having the oomph, you know, to be professionally minded. But at the same time, you're professionally minded all day long. You want to go home and relax. And that's when the lack of daisicalness kicks in. Yep. And, then, and then you're leaving your family shorthanded when they need you more. And I'm, I, I failed at that as well. I come home exhausted and my wife knows not to ask me questions about work. She knows I'm done with it, you know, but at the same time, that's not what she's really wanting to do. She just wants to, to communicate, connect. you know, and connect, you know, and, and that's where I, I have failed in the past by, okay, I don't want to talk about this right now, but I'm losing the opportunity to be a professional dad or a husband, you know? And so that just seems to be more realistic to me as we, the more we talk, you know? Yeah. Cause if you think about it, we go to work and let's say that we have an opportunity for a promotion. We'll put in the effort. We'll learn the skill set. We're going to fight for that position. We will advocate for it, whatever the case may be. We go home and then we start making excuses as to why we can't level up as a father. Let me give you an example of that. So I remember my dad is, and I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. He just, my dad was not uh, great at taking mom on dates and doing those type of things. Okay. And if he listens to this, he, I've, I've gotten on to him over years. So when Charity and I got married, I realized that I struggled to be um, affectionate in a healthy way to her. You know, I just wasn't good at it. You know, uh, birthdays would come, wouldn't buy her anything, wouldn't take her out to dinner. I mean, just real dirtbag stuff, right? Um, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is absolutely made up for consumerism to try to sell candy and stuff, especially when they're, you know, on December 26th, they're taking down Christmas to put up, you know, Valentine's Day stuff and all the candy sucks. So, I mean, there, you have those issues, right? And, and I use an excuse. That's not who I am. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I was taking a lazy amateur approach to being a husband to my wife. And one day it hit me. I'm a dirtbag. She deserves better than that. She deserves better than me making excuses as to why I can't love her well. And it hit me like, I need to do better than that. That's not, you know, I didn't call it professionalism at the time, but I'm seeing that that's, that's wrong. And so I made a a conscious effort. I'm going to try to do better and I'm not great at it by any means, but I'm going to do better at making sure that I honor her the right way. And, and I felt convicted about that. And I think that that is, is a way in which, to have a professional mindset saying what, what's the template that I take at, at work and how do I apply that at home? Right. Yeah. 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 I think that kind of goes back to what Keith said earlier, you know, how you're raised and that was the kind of model that you see, you know, like you you'd said about your father. And for me, it was, you know, Julian Wiley Morrow and, and you, you talk about the ultimate professionals. You know, both of these people that were my grandparents that raised me were just school teacher, professional school teacher, uh, principal, uh, and then a uh, postmaster who fought in World War II. And, I mean, you're talking about uh, this couple that were just, um, I mean, everything that they did was professional. Yes. And uh, But when it came to affection, there was zero mm-hmm. affection. And so, you know, and, and that kind of going back to what you guys said earlier, that's kind of the model that was thrown in before you, and that's what you see. And, and um, I think that's the starting point for everybody. And, you know, you got to – we can, you know, for me, I, I had to be better as well. And I'm not saying that I'm, I've arrived or anything, but, um, you know, you get, you got to do that evaluation. Um, reflect back and go, hey, uh, could I have done this better? Um, and I think if you have that ability, you know, Keith pointed to it or alluded to it earlier when, you know, you're talking about a profession. Uh, our profession is, you know, policy and procedures, and, and you've got to meet these, and you've got this continual education that's going grinding all the time. And, and, you know, you're constantly evaluating men and yourself and our programs and our training to make sure we're meeting all these standards. And, and um, I think that that same approach can be done at, at home. And I think I've adopted some of that, um, you know, to go, hey, well, wait, man, 
my wife Mary, she deserves a whole lot better than what I've I've been given her. I've been yeah. like Keith said, I've been given better at work than I have yeah. at home. And so I think it's I think that's easy to do and and uh, hard to fix, and it takes discipline to do it. So, what was that thing you were saying the other day, Keith, about Nick Saban? That was good. <clears throat> oh, I'll have to read it exactly what it says. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Did you come up with this on your own? No. Oh, uh, so yeah. See, that's uh, what a professional does. You find things. Exactly. And, yeah, you yeah, find yeah. it and then you <laughs> copy yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Find a copy. Duplicate. Duplicate. <laughs> Duplicate. So it says, uh, as a as great as Nick Saban is, he's been replaced in less than forty eight hours. The reality of this life is we're all replaceable at work, with our friends in social settings. But there's one place you are not replaceable at, and that's at home. Invest in eternal things with your family because one day it's the only thing that will matter. Someone else will live in your house. Someone else will work in your office, but no one else will ever be your kid's father or mother. Think about that. That's good. That's real good. The greatest college football coach of all time. 48 hours. I mean, that was obviously planned. That's what they wanted for him. They wanted, you know, to, you know, fill those shoes quickly. But 48 hours, and now all the ESPN articles are about the next guy, Kevin DeBoer, is that his name? Um, and not saying that nobody cares about Nick Saban, you know, but, I mean, next yeah. year nobody's going to care about Nick Saban. Yeah. You no. know why? Because Kevin DeBoer is going to start losing some ball games, and then everybody's going to want to hang in that guy. Yep. Who would want to follow <laughs> yeah. Nick Saban? That would be terrible. Not I. Yeah, no. yeah. I, You know, the other day when we were talking, what hit me is that a lot of times we order our life where we have to get work right first, and then we worry about home. Yep. But I'm really wondering if – if a better, more Christ honoring model for our life is to say, I'm going to make sure that all my priority is going to be at home. And I'm going to use that as a template for my work. Yeah. Because you have 48 hours. I mean, that's all. I remember when I left Vertigris, the guy told me, he said, look, he said, and he was being nice. This guy's a friend. He actually comes and visits me. Um, But he said, I want you to walk over to a bucket of water, stick your hand in it, pull it out. And when it dries off, that's about how long it's going to take for everybody to forget that you were ever here. And there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, and that sounds mean, but there's a lot of truth to that, you know. And so, you know, you think about you think about leaving, you know, your your kid's birthday party or whatever to go take care of other people's problems. He will remember that. You guys aren't, you know. And so, um, we do need to get that right. And I think that if you a professional is going to understand their priorities and they're going to live for those priorities. So. Yeah, let, let me ask you this question. You know, David, as a you know, as his time as a shepherd, you know, it was looked down upon. That was not a profession that people you know strive to be. And even though he's a young man, he's still doing it. But it was that season that can that you know contributed to ultimately his development, his success later on in prominent roles. Why do you think that God? Or let me rephrase this. Do you think that God holds men back from promotion because they're not taking care of the season that he's put them in? Oh man, that's a that's a tough question. I don't <laughs> know. A real tough question. Let me ask you this then. I don't know if God punishes, but I think if you're willing to put in the work, I think He's got a plan, and He will open doors. But you have to be a part of the process. Yeah, and if you're not going to walk through that process, then that it it may not ever happen. So let me ask you this: Have you ever been in a season where you were fighting against it, and when you finally decided, "Hey, I'm going to put forth my best effort," that you saw that God started working through that? I, I, I'm going to answer it this way. I, I think that there are things that I want that God doesn't want for me. Um, I, I think that's how I answer that question. I, I remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, uh, there was a property, a dream property that was in my family uh, that I'd, I'd wanted since I was a kid. I got to hunt on it uh, when I was a teenager. And um, my, I, I, my aunt, my great aunt, actually, was my grandfather's sister, I loved this property. I loved her. She loved, and so it was, and I just dreamed one day, I'm like, man, one of these days, uh, I'm going to hope that that, you know, I, I can wind up with that or it stays in my family. And, and uh, you know, I wanted it desperately. And I made moves financially to have money available. So if that opportunity came up, make a long story short, um, I, I made contact when she passed away. And there was a, there was a time there where I didn't want to, overstep or be pushy or anything like that but about about a year later i asked the, the living sons who were there i'm like because they had no intention of living there because they lived in nicer places 
elsewhere. And uh, I said, I, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to purchase this if you guys are interested in selling it. And the oldest son, he said, Oh yeah, absolutely. 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 And so I was excited. I shared that with my wife and, and she was like, well, great. This is going to come, this is going to come true. And, uh, or maybe it's going to happen. And then sometime later, you know, I, I don't be, I'm not pushy with it. Uh, I come to find out that they had sold it to someone else and never called me. And I was just, I was just heartbroken. Um, I'm, I don't know how it sounds silly, but I wanted this, and this is where I wanted to be for me and my family. But I don't think I don't think that guy up there um, that was the direction he wanted me to go. Yeah. So to answer the question, I think yeah, I, I, there's some things we want as men. I want this, or I desire that, and God says no. I think I need you over here. And sometimes that contradiction, you get you know you're heartbroken, you're you're lost, uh, or you feel this. Um, you feel this devastation or whatever it is, um, but you have to kind of re- reflect back and go, you know, maybe, you know, my wife came along and said, you know, God's plans is for you to be somewhere else, John. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but that's not what I wanted. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. I think for us, it was the move here. You know, we're not from this area. Um, we were fine staying where we were, but we knew that in order for us to advance on and, and, we needed to move, you know, and so we were fine. But you know, and where we were, we were not. Everything really wasn't all that smooth. So we yeah. were we were fighting fighting against it the whole yeah. time. Um, and so as soon as we punched the ticket, yeah, everything just started lining up. And even while everything's lining up, we're still kicking and screaming, you know. Which right, you know, that's just the human nature in us. You yeah. know, we look back and we're like, man, that was. We made that so much harder than it had to be. All we had to do was say, let's do it, you know, because everything else lined up. Yeah. You know, when we put our house up for sale, we did it ourselves. It sold in three days in a market yeah. that no nothing was happening, you know, which was crazy. And not to mention getting a place to live over here, you know, happened like that. You know, we didn't have to even try when nobody else could find a place to even rent, you know. So I can go story after story, but, you know, I think God was trying to get us to come. You know, yeah. but at the same time, we were we had our anchors set where we were. Been there yeah. for a while. We had friends. You know, we had commitments. You yeah. know, but so for me, that's kind of my experience with with trying to stay somewhere, and yeah. you know, things aren't working out. Everything's miserable. Everything's not happening the way you want it to be. Yeah. Kind of uh, piggybacking off of that. So at my old job, I I really enjoyed doing what I what I was doing at the time. And uh, that position got dismantled. And so I fought and fought and fought. But during that time, that's whenever I wasn't paying attention to my family. Everything Mm -hmm. was on the back burner. And so I fought and fought and fought trying to stay into that position, trying to show them we need this position. And, And I think it was God trying to tell me, you know, I'm putting you this direction because this is where you need to go. And I fought and fought the entire time. And that's during that time yeah. we had the, the tree that fell on our house and everything else. And so yeah, he had a tree fall on his house. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, while they were time, in the house, by the way, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there's an interesting wow. story behind that. If you get an opportunity, <laughs> ask me about it. So, uh, so I, I was literally just fighting nonstop. And going in and talking to the sheriff about like, hey, this is what we need. This is what we you need to keep me in here. But God had other plans. And once I was just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go with the flow. Everything just kind of lined up for me where I'm at now. So I don't think it's a punishment. But, I mean, I wanted a 1,000 acres. But I only got 25. But, I mean, it'll <laughs> it'll work out for me. So. Yeah, if, if anybody I, wants to sell a thousand acres, Keith's <laughs> looking to buy. Yeah. He has lots of money. Yeah, yeah. The uh, you know I I've, I've thought about this on several occasions. I think that God puts us in positions or seasons or assignments that we don't like because there's a lesson that we need to learn in that moment that's going to pay off later. Yeah. I I remember when I Charity and I had gotten married. And for some reason in my mind, I knew that God had called me to ministry, and that's what I really, really wanted to do as a, as a young man. And for some reason in my mind, whenever Charity and I got married, 
that was going to be the catalyst that was going to let us leave and start, you know, at that time I wanted to be a youth pastor. And um, that didn't happen. Um, the assignment, if you will, the opportunity was I was working at a welding shop. And I loved it. It was a lot of fun, you know. Um, I like building things. The guys I was with were really good. Um, they were very talented, taught me a lot, and I really enjoyed it. But to be honest with you, there was a, there was a lot of that, though, that I also hated. Because every day that I woke up to go to that welding shop, I thought that I wasn't getting to live my dream. But, you know, I went and I did the best I could, you know. And in that process, I was learning things. Okay. So I remember there would be times I'd be grinding on something or welding on something thinking, God, why have you put me here? I don't want to be here. I want to be doing something. I want to be serving you. You know, that's what I'm telling him. But yet there, there's things that were being deposited that I was learning in that moment. Um, I, I think I needed that moment to grow up. You know, right. I remember, yeah. you know, running my mouth one time to one of these guys. This is funny. You know, I'm, I'm 18, 19 years old, very arrogant. Was anybody else eight, 19, uh, very arrogant, <laughs> running my mouth to this guy never. and, uh, and one day, uh, we're in church, so I can't say exactly what he said, but I just, he turned around, picked me up off my feet. I mean, I, my feet were not touching the ground, slammed me against the wall and put some, you know, colorful language in there and basically told me that if I was to open my mouth again, that I would lose the rest of my teeth. Um, you know, but those, those moments of being broken down, you know, um, being humbled, you know, everybody gets a nickname. Mine was Snowflake. I'll tell you why later. Okay. Um, different story. Different story for a different time. And so I didn't think much of that, you know, and then after that, um, it was another job. And then I got into ministry fast forward 15 years later, I'm sitting at the parrot in Grove, Oklahoma with some deacons interviewing to be pastor at J first assembly. And Bruce Stevens is sitting over there in the corner, you know, just smile, big smile, kind of like what he has right now. And after, you know, after that interview, we get hired and everything. He kind of told me, um, after we got closer, he said, we were, you know, when we were looking for a pastor, your, your resume was at the top, but when I saw a youth pastor, I was out on that. I did not want to go down the road of hiring a youth pastor. He said, but when I saw that you're a welder, I thought, let's give this guy a shot. There's some blue collar there that maybe he has. And, you know, and I wonder if I hadn't been at that welding shop, would I be here today? Right. You know, not just the lessons that I learned, right. but would it have even opened up this door, you know? And I wonder, you know, if David hadn't been with those sheep, yep. he wouldn't have learned how to fight the lion and the bear. Yep. And there's some of us today, we are dissatisfied yeah. with where God has placed us, right. but there's something happening today. And if we put forth the effort like mm -hmm. David did, the professional right. mindset and do the best we can with where we are today, That's right. I think we're going to end up where we need to go tomorrow. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Because um, as you were speaking, I was thinking of David, I think he was the youngest, right? Yep. Family. You know, so I can see that just kind of being the job given because you're the young guy, right? But he was diligent. You know, he, he made it, he did the best he could. You know, he didn't go, oh, this is stupid. I'm not going to give him any effort. He gave yeah. it his best effort, and look what happened. You know, going back before we moved, you know, I, I see where God, he He put us there. I mean, we, we prayed to be right in between Enid and Bartlesville because my wife's from Enid and I'm from Bartlesville, and we thought, man, how nice it's going to be when we start having kids would we'll just be an hour from family. And what do you know? Bam, it happened, you know. And so we knew we were there, but I remember at the time, you know, it was a six-day school. You know, I was, a you know, Got to be a part of a really nice uh, fine arts program. You know, we marched in the inaugural parade for George Bush. You know, cool. I, I, I walked into that job and things were just kind of handed to me because it was already well established. And then Conoco Phillips, as you guys, I don't know if you know, but you know, they're kind of they kind of run the the oil companies here, and so they merged, and then we had like seven hundred families move out. You know, there goes our program. You know, and so all your funding, all your funding. You know, but. It was through that that God taught me diligence and to stay with it with perseverance and rebuild it, you know. And that, mm -hmm. I think, you know, and that's what I take from being held there, you know. And then we, you know, we didn't want to leave there because look what we did, you know. Yeah. You know, we came from this, went down to that, and now we're back to here, you know, and then we get moved out of that. So but I think you're right. I think God puts us in those places for us to develop and learn things that we're going to use later down the road. Some growth. Yes. Did anybody uh, have a season in their life where they failed to live up to that professional mindset? And you look back on it, you really regret it. If you could go back, you would do that. Do that different. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I could have. Um, I, I regret it almost daily. Um, sit up here and tell truths on myself, but I regret one of my biggest regrets is not having my children when I was a young age and had our children, uh, not having my children in church more. Um, now, I mean, I, I think we all can have that model where, uh, you know, 
I, <clears throat> my children see me pray every morning. I go, I go through routine. Uh, they see me pray every morning. They see me reading the Bible every morning after years. Um, even before I, I got back into church, I was still doing it. And that was, that was kind of my mindset. I wanted, uh, but I failed miserably. I didn't, I didn't get them in church like I wanted to. I didn't make that kind of influence that my grandparents made on me. Yeah. And I think they'd be disappointed in me for that. So, yeah, huge failure there for me. Yeah. Uh, there's so many failures, I can't even count them all. Like, yeah. I wish I could have a bunch of them back. Yeah. yeah. Some of them helped me grow a lot, but, I mean, I don't even, can't even think of anything off the top of my head, but I know that there's multiple. Uh, to me, it's a, it's a balance between failures and then me making a conscious decision. That that's not how I'm going to do things yeah. because that's how I was raised. You know, I remember growing up and getting to stay with my grandparents, and they were prayers. And you didn't go to bed unless you spent 30 minutes on your knees. And it was like a, it was like prayer meeting, you know, and it, I didn't, you know, nothing wrong with it, you know, but as I was growing up, I was like, you know, but is that what I want my family to look like? So for me, I'm experimenting, you know, is that what it takes to be a Christian, you know? And so I don't know if that was a failure that I didn't do that in my home or not, yeah. you know? So for me, I have a lot of questions. I don't know if it was a failure yet. Yeah. You know, and I, I see some, I look back and see some things that were failures, like, well, you know, my son's sitting right there, he can probably tell you about it, you know, but, you know, at the same time. We'll I, have him on next week. Yeah, <laughs> that's not fair. But not at fair. the same time, I'm still waiting to see if it was a failure, because to me, I'm trying to make decisions to leave my family how I think is best suited and balance that out with how I'm raised. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was thinking about that failure point where I could go back. So I'm at the welding shop. I do that for four years. And then the crash of 2008, the economy crashes. It hit Western Oklahoma really, really hard. We were the last welding shop still open. So I had to have a job. And, uh, you know, there's always people when you, when you do that kind of work, you get some free time. I need you to come do this or that. So I started calling in those favors. Um, but I also needed an income. So I started applying. And when Walmart's not hiring, you know you're in trouble. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we were in trouble. And so um, anyways, the Probably the, mo the, the most disappointed day of my life to that point is Charity applied for a teaching job and got it uh, because I knew that meant that we were going to be stuck in Woodward for another year, and I didn't want to do it. Um, and so now I'm stuck, and I can't find a job. And, um, and as irony would have it, sitting with you guys, is that there was an opportunity for a police dispatcher job, which – um, if, if, if you're curious, that is the worst job on the planet. Uh, I don't think anybody here has it, but if, if not, it is the worst job, but it was the only job I could find. Okay. And surprisingly they paid pretty well, um, which they have to, because it is an insufferable experience to be tethered to a desk for eight hours a day. Retention's tough. Uh, it's brutal. Um, but anyways, you know, that next year, I, I, if I could go back, I would handle that different because I probably for the only real time in my life that I said I failed at doing the best I could, it was at that. Not not necessarily in the sense of uh, the actual job, not paying attention or not caring, but I mean surrounding with the people. Um, I had an opportunity there because there was a lot of broken people in that situation, um, and I had an opportunity to be a better witness. But my poor attitude about where I was planted yeah. um, absolutely sabotaged that. I was – a jerk for that year i can tell you that you know so being a jerk and then oh by the way i'm gonna go be a preacher like that probably left a bad taste in people's yeah. mouth and so i wish if i yeah. could go back i would do that and i think the thing that you know what yeah. you guys are saying if you fail to live up to your potential in the season that god has assigned you you don't get that time back no you're not going to get that time back with our families. We're not going to get that time back, you know, to, to, to grow. We're not going to get that time back around. So if we're dissatisfied in our season that we're in today, I don't think that God lets you out of that until you learn how to, to walk on that right. and with a professional attitude first. But second, you're also squandering an opportunity, That's right. you know. And so I, I think we got to be careful of that. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I remember through my experience, you know, going through the highs and lows, I know I didn't represent well. Sometimes, because yeah. it's tough, sure. especially when you're yep. dealing with people at work that, you know, they're not they're not necessarily trying to be the, the father of the year either, you know, or the Christian mm -hmm. of the year either, you know. So yeah. when you got those mindsets going and you're all struggling, it makes it really tough, yeah. you know. But you don't get those chances back. Yep. But I think through the process, you have to recognize it, you know, and you have to do better. 
Yeah, yeah I, th- I think going back to what we said and what you'd said, I think earlier, maybe um, it was either last Sunday or the Sunday before, where, you're, where you were making an analogy of comparing yourself to a straight stick instead of crooked. I, I, I think <laughs> yeah. Moses was making that statement or whatever. And, and, and I think, you know, Keith and I, uh, and some of the, I see some other law enforcement officers here, um, we get to go where the ugliest is the ugliest. And uh, you get to, you get that experience and, and you kind of go, you set back as you're dealing with this, you know, um, situation, you're inside of a home, you're dealing with a family or whatever. And you're like, man, I'm compared to this guy, I'm a rock star, <laughs> you know, and, and you're, you're thinking, man, my wife's got it pretty good. <laughs> um, we will also have her yeah. on next week. Yeah. For rebuttal. <laughs> you know, no, I'm, I'm not a rock star, but, uh, but I mean, that's what, you know, you're instead of comparing yourself to a crooked stick, mm-hmm. uh, you're comparing yourself to a straight stick. Yep. And in our, in our, in our um, professional world, we get to see, we don't get to see very many straight sticks. Um, we get to see all the crooked sticks and, and um, it's, you know, so when you come home, you know, I, I think the question when you asked it really jumped out to me or resonated with me is that, you know, I don't think God's asking, asking me to stretch beyond what I'm capable of. I think he's asking me to stretch what I am capable of. That's good. That's good. So um, I think that's, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah, that's really good. That's good. Yeah. There's always, there's always, that, that growth potential is there, and he knows it. You just got to be able to lean into that. That's really good. Well, and have the faith to say, you know, I can. You know, I'm looking at, like, a move that you were talking about and a, a, a place and a farm that I was talking about, and that's not what I wanted. But, uh, you know, what I got was as good or better, and that's a story for another time. But mm-hmm. at the time, kind of like what you were talking about and what Arlen was talking about, it was, man, I'm – I'm mad, angry, hurt, you know, and and um, I didn't keep the faith really very well. So thank goodness that my my better half pulled me along there. So yeah, Keith, let's say I'm in this room and I hate the season of life I'm in. I hate it. Like I don't like it. It might be at work, might be at home, um, and I just don't want to put forth the effort. Then that's me. What would you tell me? I've been there. I've been there before. Um, it's it's really easy to fail and then just continue to fail in that in that mm-hmm. area. So once you get that mindset of of failing in that area, it's really hard to pull yourself out of that hole. And uh, like I said, I've been there. I'm not perfect in no way, shape, or form, but uh, it's a daily grind. And I've got, you know, three little girls that sit there and watch me every single day to make sure that I am making sure that, that they're good to go and and uh, just keep grinding. Keep <laughs> keep doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, being that father and, and husband and professional mindset and whatever that is as far as, like, what whatever your job is. Just keep staying on that track. Yeah. You don't have a choice. Like when you're when you're in an assignment, it's not it's not a choice. Do I want to do this or not? You have to do this. You have to do this. You know, like no one else can be Amy's husband. You're it. No one else can be Charity's husband. I'm it. No one else is going to raise Knox. I'm it. You know, no one else is going to pastor this church in this moment because this is where God's placed me. I'm it. No one else is going to put that uniform on tomorrow. Is it? No one's going to walk in that school tomorrow. You know, no one's going to walk home to marry. I mean, like, we are it. And so if we don't live up to that, we're not honoring God, which really brings me to where I will wrap this up. Every week we want to end on a theological note. And 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I think when you look at God, you see that God created us to work and to be productive. In other words, God created us to be professionals. He created us to have this mindset where we're going to put forth our best effort to understand the attributes of the assignment that he's placed us in as a father, husband, man, career, whatever it may be, to look at those things and say, I'm going to do the best. When God created, he created and looked and said, this is very good. 
So this is the mindset of God to do things well, to do things to the best of our ability. In pre-fall, mankind was created to be productive. And so there's this overwhelming theme throughout the Old Testament and New Testament that we are not to be lazy, that we are to be wise, we're to work hard, we're to grow, we're to have dominion, multiply, and fill the earth. And so the men who God used in the Bible were the men who did that, who had that professional mindset in their craft, a professional mindset at home. Proverbs specifically highlights men who live as professionals. The New Testament tells us to do all things as unto the Lord. The New Testament t- believers worship God, and, and what they did was worship. You know, I love what A.W. Tozer says. It's not what a man does that determines if it's sacred or secular. It's why he does it. Jesus was a professional. When asked, why are you doing these things? He said, I must be about my father's business. Right, So when we give our life to Christ, we are recreated beings. And in that recreation, I believe that we're renewed to work and to be productive. So this concept of, of, of being a, a man who has a professional mindset, I believe very much flows within Scripture because this is what we see God calling us to do. And the moment we surrender to Christ, that is our calling to say, whatever you have assigned me to in this moment, I'm going to learn what those attributes are. I'm going to train myself. I'm going to get wise. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to continue to refine, and I'm going to give it my shot. I might not like it, but I will do it, and I will get better. And I truly believe that God honors that. And when we say yes to the assignment that we're in today, I think ultimately he leads us to the assignments that we want to go. What says you guys? Yeah, I mean – um, you know, it, you know, if something's not working, you know, um, if, if it's not working, what are you going to do about it? You know, I think that ultimately comes down to what, what are you, what are you deciding to do? Nothing, something, yeah. Yeah. are we, are we going to look at it? Well, this, this didn't work. Um, let me try it this way. Um, uh, I think kind of like what Keith said and I, I've said, and you've said, you know, we can't just throw our hands up in the air and go, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. You know? And if it's going to be, it's up to me. Uh, and so um, I, I think, you know, it's such a hard standard to live up to. I'm, I'm never going to be as good as any of these men in the Bible. I'm never going to do that. Um, but I can try. Yep. I can try. As far as, like, the the man in the house, like, you're what builds that foundation for your family. So if you don't have a good foundation, if there's cracks in your foundation, your family is going to, it's going to mm, crumble. It's good. Well, I think as we steadfast in what our calling is and where we're supposed to be, I think we have to, like you were reading the, those scriptures there, that that should be in the forefront of our minds. Yeah. Do everything for the glory of God, no matter what it is. Because I know for me in my life, I get bored sometimes. And then I start entertaining what I want to do. You know, then I get sidetracked, you know. And with that, you know, whether that's good or bad, you know, with that, you lose focus of what you're doing and lose focus of being professionally minded, you know, because sometimes it can be monotonous, you know, even in the home life. You know, you may got everything worked out. Everything looks good, you know. Um, it can be monotonous. You get bored, yep. you know, and you start drifting off because you, you're trying to entertain yourself, do other things. And so I just think you have to wake up every day with the spiritual mindset yep. to move forward and what the day has to bring and how you can live for God and then bring that back around, you know, to when you get home. Am I going to be that dad or that husband yep. that I need to be, yep. you know? And so I, I just think that's, for me, you know, that's where I have to strive daily is to not lose focus of doing everything for the glory of God no matter where I'm at or what I'm called to do in the moment. That's really good. And I think what you, what, what you can see is when you get to that point, you'll be able to look around you and find out the guy who's doing it well in the area that you're weak in. Yeah. Like we look around this room, there's some guys in here that are phenomenal fathers, right? Like I make fun of Cody. He's back there in the back. His kids do not talk to other adults at all. And I always tell him, I said, it's because you and Linda are such great parents that the rest of us are a disappointment to have a conversation <laughs> with. And so they're not going to. And, and you can always look around and find someone who's doing well. But it's getting that mindset starts to allow you to see those things, which kind of plugs our conversation next week because next week we're going to be talking about having a board of directors for your life. I think every man should have a board of directors for your life. And one of those things is finding the guys that are excelling where you're weak at. And so that's a plug for next week. 
So with that, it is eight o'clock and I'm done. And check this out because we're professionals. We even have outro music. God bless you.